You are now listening to a message from Eka Christian Center. Get set to be at the fire. God has blessed you. Hallelujah. All right, so let's go into the word. Um, we'll just do a brief recap for those of us that were not around last week. Um, so we began a beautiful series uh, tied to generosity, right? How many of us were around last week Sunday? All right, so that's beautiful. And, you know, PF started his teaching series. Sorry, guys, please. Because of my truth, can we put up the A's machine, please? Thank you. <coughs> All right, so last week, PF um, started his series and he began talking to us and teaching us about how that generosity is the believer's way of life. You see, um, in the world that we live in right now, most people don't like to hear this. Um, the moment you start to talk about generosity and giving, you know, there is just this hardness that just comes upon the hearts of men. And maybe you are here today and this is your first time. I want to just implore you to open your heart and be receptive. This is not the kind of church where we do people of their money. No, we teach you from God's word the things that you ought to do. And so when we talk about generosity, when we talk about giving, we are first and foremost talking about the nature of the believer being the nature of love. Now, um, last week we have talked about how that the motivation for our giving or for our generosity should be love. Why? Because God is love. Hallelujah. Now, today we are going to be continuing on the series and we are going to be talking about understanding the purpose of giving, the purpose, the why. Why should we give? Now, there is a very popular saying that I love so much and it says that when the purpose of a thing is unknown, abuse is inevitable. So when people don't know the reason behind a thing, they will make a mess of it. So is the reason why you would see people, you know, how many of us, we are familiar with this phrase, itore anu. Um, I'm sure the Yoruba people in our midst, who, they are well aware, itore anu. So some people have it at the back of their mind that, you know, when you want to do certain good deeds to men, you know, you should pray over the food or pray over the clothes that you want to give out, pray over the resources. You know, you even see people, they will be saying, ah, I remove all the affliction in my body and I'm... And, you know, the mindset is so, it's so funny because someone somewhere has lied to them that if you do this, you are transferring your affliction on the money or whatever thing that you want to give out. And I'm like, I don't understand. Where did we see this? Where, you know, I get that under the Old Testament, people prayed over the sin offering, right? So they went to, but that was the animal now. And we already see that in the New Testament, Jesus has paid the price for our sin. So there is no need to do that. But people still do that these days. You see people, they want to give arms to the poor on the street. They will pray over the money. You see them, they will owe 200 and how much is 200 that you are praying over it and you are releasing your affliction on the money. So when the purpose of a thing is unknown, abuse is inevitable. People make a mess of everything. So something beautiful that God has created for us to enjoy, for us to flow in, people make a mess. It's the same thing with marriage too. People don't understand the purpose of marriage. So you hear funny things, a man and a man, a woman. So it's the same thing. The, the why of a thing is the most important information or knowledge that you have concerning any subject matter. If you can know the why, if you can understand the why, then you will be able to do things according to the scriptures, according to how God has proposed it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, and you see, for us as believers, I always say this, there is no... There is no other manual, there is no other, uh, what's it called now, document where we seek the purpose of a thing other than the Bible, other than the scriptures. You know, if you are an unbeliever, it's okay for you to take seven keys, you know, from anybody, you know, seven principles here and there is okay for it. But as a believer, as long as you are a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, your manual is the Bible. That's where you understand the purpose of a thing. That's where you understand what God wants you to do concerning any subject matter. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, let's open our Bibles to the book of James chapter, um, James chapter one, I think. Yeah. James chapter one. And I'll just quickly read from, um, from verse 23, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. So the Bible is a mirror for us. The Bible is our manual. The Bible is our template. If we want to understand the intent behind the thing, if we want to understand the purpose behind the thing, we look in the word. Look at your neighbor and say, look in the word. 
Look in the word. Hallelujah. And you see, let me just quickly go into today's teaching without wasting much of our time. Um, I, I start to be corrected, right? But I don't think that I don't think that there is anybody on the surface of this earth who does not give. Now, hear me out. The reason why I'm saying that is because um, what differentiates giving for the believer and the unbeliever is the purpose behind that giving, is the intent behind that giving. So you have many people in the world today, they will go to, let's say, orphanages. I'm not against going to orphanages and giving to orphanages, but this is what you know most people do, and I'm sure that you can relate to this. So you go to an orphanage, you say, okay, you want to give them clothes, you want to give them food, you want to give them money, and then at the end of the day, you do paparazzi, you know, the video camera will follow you as you are going in, as you are giving the children, you snap pictures. I know all that is good and all of that. I'm not saying that everybody that does that as you know, ill intention. I'm just saying that that is the modus operandi in today's world. So there is that mindset of people wanting to be seen, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be applauded. And you see, if we, if we as believers see that as the manual and the template for us, then there is a problem. Because in today's world, everybody gives. So you see people who give to maybe this research, this course, this course, you know, that course and all of that. But at the end of the day, when you investigate or when you deep dig into the intent behind that person's giving, you see that majority is from selfish desires. Now, Christmas is coming. Many of you have heard this. Oh, Christmas is coming. Is it time to be good? Is it time to, you know, be, is it time to give? And I saw that recently on social media and I was wondering, what do you mean by Christmas is coming? Is it time to give? Is it only Christmas that we give? What happened from January up, up until December? So you would, you would realize that majority of the people in the world, they give because they have selfish intent, selfish reasons. They want to be seen or sometimes they even want to pacify their ego. Or they want to silence that voice that is in their mind. Because, you know, last week PF was talking about how that God will always partner with the man that is ready to distribute. So, for example, this person has not distributed anything of their resources from January to November. But all of a sudden, in December, you now want to pacify your conscience. Then you go and do one massive giveaway. It's selfish. It's to pacify your own ego. Is to, you know, try to silence the voice of the Lord that has been instructing you from January to November to give. Then all of a sudden in December, because you feel like, oh, I don't want to enter the new year without not giving anything or doing anything good. So let me quickly, you know, give this resource. So it's selfish. And that intent, that, that purpose, like I said, is very crucial because you see in the eyes of God, like the Bible says, God, you know, men look at the outward. So men will see you do your giveaway. Men will see you do, you know, the things that you want to do in the natural. But God looks at your heart. There are so many people who give to orphans, but they are repulsed by the children. So you see the man, don't touch me, don't touch me, just, just take the money. And they are doing hand like this. They are repulsed. So their heart is not right. So even if they are doing the giving, their heart is not right with God. And you see, with God, your heart matters. In, in fact, as a matter of fact, in the eyes of God, your heart is the most important thing. Not even the thing that you are giving. Your heart. Your heart is the most important thing. Let's open our Bibles. I want us to quickly read... Um, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read into 5. Then we'll read 2 Chronicles chapter 25. So very quickly, let's just read um, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read 1 to 5. Are we there? Matthew 6, are we there? Okay, so verse 1, I'll read. It says, Take ye that ye do not your arms before men, to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your father. So you see Jesus telling his disciples that don't, don't bother doing showmanship. Don't bother because, you, like I was saying the other time, men are naturally selfish. So not, I'm not talking about you because I believe that we are not selfish here. Amen. We are people of God and we have the nature of God. Hallelujah. And we have the love of Christ that has been shed abroad in our hearts. So there is no selfishness in us. But I'm saying that the natural man, the man without Christ is naturally selfish. So he thinks about himself alone. It is how man is wired. And that's how, you know, corruption entered the world. But that's not even the message for today. But Jesus was telling his disciples, you know, he says, Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, what? He says, you have no reward of your father which is in heaven. He says, therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, 
as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have what? Glory of men. So they do it to have glory before men. People who give, you know, uh, how should I put it now? I don't want to sound misconstrued, but people who give in a large manner, you know, I'm not saying that, you guys, don't, don't misquote me. And media people know how you will cut this video. But I'm saying that majority of people who give lavishly, right, do it because they want glory before men. Now, in the local church, when we give, many of you are givers, but you know how we do it now. We just, you know, settle the needs. We don't need to blow trumpet. And sometimes PF does not even come on stage to say, oh, I gave one million today. No, it's within the pastors that we know because we are accountable to one another. So that's different. We are being accountable. But I'm saying lavishly, like to the world. So you come on Instagram live. Ah, oh my God, I just went to that orphanage. I just gave them like five billion. They do it for the glory of men. Because, you know, they want to be perceived as good. And that's the way the natural man is. He wants to be perceived as good because there is something deep down inside of him that still thinks that he can sort of end God's righteousness by doing good. And that also comes with an understanding of what we have received in Christ Jesus. When you understand that, you have first of all received righteousness as a gift and there is nothing that you can do to please God, then every form of self-pleasing would die. Every form of that innate ability to want to show or to want to prove that you are good, it will die. But when men do not understand that there is nothing they can do to please God or to end the righteousness of God, they will want to do everything in the natural to please God. So, oh, I gave to the poor, I gave to the needy. Oh, these children, they needed medical intervention. You could have settled that without telling the world. But he says that they have their reward. He says, do not do that as believers. The unbelievers can do that. But as believers, that's, that's not the template. That's not the mandate for us. And like I said, if we want to know the purpose behind anything, we look in the word. Let's read 2 Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Are we there? All right, so verse 1, he says, Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jehodan of Jerusalem. Verse 2, he says what? And he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord, but what? But not with a perfect heart. So it is possible. Are we, did we see that together? So it is possible for you to do things in the right way. Men are giving you the applause. Men are commending your efforts, your good, the good that you have done. But he says that he did not do it with a perfect heart. Why? Because in the grand plan of God, in the scheme of God, in the eyes of God, your, the state of your heart is the most important thing. Pierre for saying it last week, that giving, generosity, is not about what you have in your account. It's not about what you gave or what you're about to give. It is the state of your heart. Because God looks at the heart. Hallelujah. And you see, so many times when people do good deeds, it's because there is that consciousness, there is that thinking in their mind that, oh, I'm doing this, you know, out of the sheer goodness of my heart and God is going to reward. But the truth is, Jesus already said in his word that he, he was going to reward your giving. So, so many times when people give with the wrong mindset and they're like, oh, ah, you know, sometimes even in churches, you hear things like, you have to sow maybe $1,000 and then you reap, you know, a thousand fold, right? Or maybe multiply by 10. So you begin to do mathematics and calculation with your bank account statement. Oh, I sow this 1 million. That's 10 million. Ah, that's, that's even more than MMMO. It's more than MMMO because that's like how many percent returns. But th that's the wrong mindset to have. In the house of God, when you are giving, give with the right intentions. Give with the right heart. Not because God is able to multiply your giving. God does that. Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs 19, 17. God rewards your giving. But it is not for us to rope him into, you know, blessing us because we have sown a seed. And so many people even get angry with church. They get bitter with church. Because they went somewhere and the person told them to sow $1,000 and they were going to reap $100,000. And in the next two months' time, they are still waiting for the $100,000. And then they leave church and say, oh, God has failed me. God did not fail you. 
God did not fail you because there is no promise of such in his word. And that's why as a believer, you must know the word yourself. Because if you don't know the word yourself, you will go someplace you will go someplace very funny and somebody somewhere, you know, that seems to be a man of God, a prophet who hears and will tell you to do certain things. And because you are ignorant, you do them and then you become bitter against God. No. You study the word yourself. Proverbs 19, 17, very quickly. Are we there? Let's read together. It says what? He that had pity upon the poor lended unto God and that which he had given, he will repay him again. So there is already that confirmation from the word of God that when you give to the poor, when you give to the needy, God is going to recompense you. God is going to reward you. So we don't need to make him, you know, we don't need to make God, you know, come to our assistance in the east or to quicken him or to hurry him up and say, ah, 24 hours has passed. The pastor said 24 hours. 40. No, he will bless you in his own, he will reward you in his own time. Hallelujah. And so write this down. As Christians, the decision to give, our decision to give must be rooted, number one, in the nature of God, that God is love. We read that last week, John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God did not wait for us to be perfect. He gave us Jesus. That's the nature of God. That's the character of God. God is love. And because he is love and we are born of him, it means that we, are, we also have that nature of love. And it also means that when we give, it should be as a result of that nature of love. Not because of covetousness. Not because of selfishness. Not because we are trying to rope people into our own greed. Nature of love. And then number two, it must stem out of our relationship with him. A man who is intimate to God, a man who walks with God, will easily decipher God's voice. You will know when God is quickening you to give. Now, we'll come to the, um, to the part where he talks about putting structure with your giving. But you see, there are some times that even after you have put in structures, the Holy Spirit will still quicken you to give. And so if there is no relationship with God, if there is no relationship between you, you'll be like, ah, but I've paid my tithe now. I've given my partnership for this month. I've expended all my welfare accounts. But there are some times where the Lord will still quicken you to give. So if you don't have a relationship with him, there is no how you would heed to his instruction. The Lord must be able to flex us. We must be, we must be flexible when it comes to the leading of God's spirit. It's not something that is common in today's world because, you know, people will be like, ah, but you're just giving, you're just giving, you're just, there's nothing to show for it. It must stem from that consciousness that we are born of the nature of love and that we have a relationship with him. Hallelujah. I want us to quickly read Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when we were unworthy of his love, he gave us Jesus. We didn't do anything to warrant his love. Yes, he gave us Jesus. In today's world, people will be like, ah, no, if you don't, if, they are, if people have not been good to you, don't be good to them. But that's not your nature. Because even the Bible says that unbelievers are good to people who are good to them. Am I right? So if an unbeliever is here, if you say, oh, I just, I want to just, he, he will be happy. Then that, it gives him that, should I say, um, um, it gives him that desire to want to also return the favor. I don't know if you understand what I mean. So if you are good to an unbeliever, he's also good to you. He, he, he's able to reason it out. So there is that consciousness in him that, oh, this person has been good to me once. So at least in my lifetime, let me repay him back once. Even the unbeliever. Does. But the Bible says that if the unbeliever who knows how to do good to people who are good to him, and you also follow that template, what's the difference between the both of you? That's what the word of God says. Hallelujah. So if you are only good to people who are good to you, what is the difference between you and the unbeliever? Even the unbeliever is good to people who are good to him. Look at Luke chapter 6. We'll see it there. Hallelujah. There is no difference. So we must stand out as believers. That love nature, that love character of God must be seen through us. It must be expressed through us. So it doesn't matter. Even if the person has done evil to you and he has a need, love should respond. Love should do what? Respond. You will say that in front of other people and they'll be like, you are a mumu. See, if they have not called you a mumu for Jesus' sake, then this Christianity thing, you are not doing it right. It's a fact. There are people that I went to school with in university that I can count so many evil things they did, but today they will still call and say, please, I, I just need, and I will still respond. Why? It is the nature and character of love. 
You don't respond because they did good to you. No, you respond because it is your nature to do good. You are born out of God. The Bible says that he that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. So the same thing that Jesus would do in your circumstances and situation is the same thing that is expected of you to do. Luke chapter 6. Let's read um, verse Let's read verse 32. It says, For if you love them that love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those who love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? Because sinners also do the same. Verse 34 says, if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive. You know, there are some people that in their giving mindset, in their giving culture, they only give to people who they perceive are well to do. You guys, now you understand what I mean. So if someone comes and the person is well to do, maybe the person dresses well, the person has a car and you're like, ah, you scale this person, ah. This person is doing well now. And the person comes and says, ah, please, I have a need. It's really urgent. You are very, you know, quick to give the person because in your mind, you're like, if I need problem in the future, I can always go back to this person. But he says, no. Even the one that does not look like it. So your giving should not be partial. That's what the Bible is saying. Your giving should not be partial. So the same level of respect and love that you will show the person who doesn't look as much in the natural is the same way you also communicate that love to the one who has, who carries. Amen? Let's open our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19. Our giving should come from a place of love. Love for God and love for his people. Because the truth is that we think that it is only about giving to believers. No, but even unbelievers. Because the Bible says that God causes rain to fall on both the just and the unjust. Because God is the God of the believer and the unbeliever. So whether you like it or not, God is their God. Even if they don't want to admit it, he is still their God. And so because he is still their God, he can send help to them. How did God send help to Cornelius? He was an unbeliever. But yes, God sent help to him. So your giving should not be partial to the believer and to the unbeliever. Hallelujah. Leviticus 19, we'll see that God has always been mindful of the poor the needy, the stranger. When there are people who are around you who have needs, don't say, oh, my giving is only for my family alone. We'll see from scripture that God has done it in such a way that the rich should be responsible for the poor in their immediate environment. So, you know, you guys just imagine it for a moment. Imagine that, you know, we as believers and even in the world, people are responsible for the poor in their immediate environment. Everybody taking care of their brother, taking care of their sister. How do you think the world is going to be? It's going to be a much better place. But because of the greed of man, because of that selfish innate desire to acquire wealth and let it just be for you and your family alone. That's one of the reasons why there is scarcity and poverty in the world. Why? Because men have chosen to be greedy and God cannot work with the greedy man. Praise God. Leviticus chapter 19. Let's read from, let's read from verse 9. Are we there? Are we all there? He says, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not only reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. Verse 10 says what? And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, Neither shall gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for what? The poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So Jesus, God was giving them an instruction under the old covenant. He was saying that those of you that have fields and you go there to harvest everything that you have planted. He says, do not harvest everything. Leave small for the poor. So that they also can have what? Enough to eat. The same thing for the man that plants a, a, a vineyard. He says, don't harvest everything. Don't harvest everything. It means that everything that you earn is not for you alone. There should be an amount that you have separated out of your finances that should be, that should be towards taking care of people in your immediate environment. And if you look around, if you actually look around, you will see that there are people in your immediate environment who have needs. Who have needs. Now, there is a difference between people who have needs and people who have wants. There is a difference. Needs is... They cannot eat, they cannot feed, they cannot pay school. Those are valid needs. Not somebody that comes and says, oh, I'm just so tired. I just want you to sponsor me on a vacation to the Maldives. You know, I just want to go and relax and rest my bones. That's a want. How many of you, you did economics in school now? So you know scale of preference, right? 
And you know the difference between a want and a need. Uh-huh. So God wants to meet every man's need, not every man's want. So don't come and say, because they said that we should be generous and give to the believer and unbeliever. Someone will not come and be roping you of your hard-earned money. No, that's not what I said. Needs, needs are genuine. They meet a specific desire of the people. Hallelujah, praise God. Let's also read Exodus chapter 23. It is God's desire to meet the need of everyone, the poor, the needy, the stranger, everyone. Exodus chapter 23, and we'll also read from verse 6 into 11. All right, are we there? Exodus 23, verse Six, it says, Thou shalt not rest the judgment of the poor in thy case. Keep thee far from false matter, and innocent and righteous slay not. He says, For I would justify what? The wicked. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blinded the wise and perverted the words of the righteous. He says, What in verse 9? Also, thou shalt not oppress what? A stranger. For ye know the art of a stranger, seeing you were strange. So, you know, Jesus was telling them, you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. So there are people who will come to you who will, who will also be strangers. Have you met people who will come to you and they'll say, oh, oh I don't have transport to get to where I'm going to. And you, just, you will see different people walking past them. Oh, no, I don't have, I don't have. Oh, you have. I get that in this world, everybody is trying to be careful because you don't want to turn to yam and cassava, right? But in the eyes of God, you are doing good. And you see, God that has placed in your, in your heart to do good will not cause evil to befall you. Hallelujah. So I know that the world is wicked and, you know, it is very, it's practically impossible for you to go out of your way for a stranger. But God says, be careful. Look at the stranger because you were once strangers. You were once far from God, but you were brought nigh by Jesus. So the same way, look at the stranger in that same manner and be kind to him and give to him, fearing nothing. God will not allow us to turn to him in Jesus' name. <laughs> and you see, God wants us to work hard as well. Ephesians 4 um, verse 28, Paul was saying, it was like, let no man steal no more, but rather let him have so that he will have to give. So maybe you are here and you're like, oh, but I don't even have anything. And they are talking about giving, 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 giving. God wants you to walk. And the reason why he wants you to walk is so that you can have more to give. That's the principle of God. Because you see, because God is faithful and because God is kind and he's good. Giving is his redistribution plan. So it is God's plan to redistribute everything, the resources that you have. Giving is God's redistribution plan. He wants everyone to have enough sufficiency. So imagine if each and every one of us can take care of the people in our midst. Everyone will have so much to have. And we see the same example even with the early apostles. The Bible says that they sold all that they had. They are Do you know what it means for a Jew to sell his land? That was that, that is like the uh, should I say the crucial, it's just like how people have lands inherited to them in, in today's world. So maybe your father, your grandfather has left you has left you a parcel of land, right? And then someone comes and says, Oh, I have a need, and you take that land to sell it to help that person. We don't see it much in these days, but those were the things that the early apostles did. The Jews, they went, they took their land, they sold it and gave it so that the church will have the needs of the people met. Why? Because these guys had come to hear the gospel. They were hearing the gospel for the first time and they did not want to go back to their homes. So for months, they had to stay in Jerusalem to hear God's word. But you know, it, 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 it's so funny because when you leave your comfort zone and you come to a place holding nothing, not carrying any you know, source of livelihood, how do you expect the people to survive? But they were just saved. So they couldn't go back immediately. So what did the Jews do? They went, they sold their land and they brought it to the apostles so that they could distribute it. Those that need to settle accommodation, settled it. Those that need to settle feeding, clothing, settled it. Hallelujah. Giving is the redistribution plan of God to see that every need is met. Everyone is well taken care of. And it's a culture that we must also have as a church. In Noikia, as a believer, you are here. Let it not be that there is a brother or sister in our midst who goes hungry and you have the capacity to settle their needs. Determine within your heart, I will not be a stingy believer. I will not be a stingy believer. I will give to the needs of my brother. I will give to the needs of my sister. There is something that Paul says, I think in the book of 
I'm not sure it was Paul that says, but it was in the book of James chapter 2. It says that your giving, your giving, it, it, it demonstrates your belief. So you cannot say, it says faith without works is what is dead. And so many times when people read that part of the scripture, they think it is about salvation, ending salvation. No, it is about your works of righteousness, the things that you do. He says, if a brother comes to you and is hungry, don't just say, oh, bless you. God will bless you. God will keep you warm. God will satisfy you. No, don't just send them with mere words. If you have the resources to settle them, take care of that brother. Take care of that sister. He says, by doing so, your faith is demonstrated. So you are showing, you are demonstrating that you have perfect faith. So it is not just for you to confess, to say, oh, I am righteous. I am saved by grace. No, he says, when you do good, you are communicating that your faith is effectual. So don't turn away a brother or a sister who is in need. And I want us to just quickly um, read Matthew chapter 19, verse 24. You know, many times when people um, quote the words of Jesus and, and when he talks about how that it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, they are quick to say, oh, you know, God doesn't want us to be rich. But no, that's not what the scripture is saying. The reason why Jesus says that it is hard for a righteous, a rich man rather, to enter into the kingdom of God is that the rich man puts his trust in his riches. The Bible calls it uncertain riches. So it means that you can have it today, you, you might not have it tomorrow. It's uncertain because it's a principle that is at work in the world. When you go to heaven, you will not carry your money. Will you carry it? Will you carry it? Exactly. There is a picture that I saw trending on Twitter yesterday and it is about... Um, some particular politicians who had stored bundles of the Nigerian Naira currency. I saw 500 Naira bundles, 1,000 Naira, and they eat it under suck away in their house. Suck away. That's where they put money. Money that once it touches water, that's the end. And, you know, I saw the picture. It was, it was rotting. It was disfigured. Nobody can use the money anymore. So what was the point? That's, that's what I'm saying. It's greed. And that money is stolen money. So you add the resources, something that could have been used to help the nation, help the people. There are people who, because of flooding, they were displaced from their families. They could have been helped by you. You eat it inside your sock away. And years after, you even forgot that the money was there because that person must have forgotten. And so now they eat the money out and everything is a waste. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to... Matthew chapter 19. The rich man puts his trust in riches. And so that's why the scripture says it is hard for him to enter into the kingdom of God because he puts his trust in his riches while the poor man puts his trust in God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 19 and we'll read um, verse 24. He says, and again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It is, and you know, this is just, you know, um, an example. It is not, um, it is not like real, real, but it's just Jesus giving them an example. But he talks about how that, you know, for, for, for rich people, you see, one of the, one of the things that giving does for the rich man is that he breaks that hold of covetousness. Remember, we talked about how that it is natural for the man to be stingy, to be selfish. But what giving and generosity does for you is that it breaks every hold of covetousness. And so that's why scripture is very quick to tell us to give out. Because the, the, the rich man would rather hoard the resources. Let it just be for my family and I alone. But Jesus is saying, no, don't put your trust in the riches. Put your faith in, in God. You see, the man who has caught a revelation as... as uh, who has caught a revelation about God being his source will not put his trust in uncertain riches because he will understand that God is his source. God is his provider. But a man who does not understand or who hasn't caught the revelation that God is his source will keep ordering the money. And you know, scripture says something that is very important to the Israelites. It says, do not be lifted up in pride. Do not put your faith, do not put your heart in your riches. He says, put, set your affection on things that are above. Set your affection. It is your affection. So that means you can set it. You can determine not to be covetous. You can determine not to be stingy. You can determine to be generous. Hallelujah. 
Let's quickly open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Are we getting blessed this morning? Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, let's read from verse 11. It says, Beware that thou forget not thy Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and in his judgment and in his statutes which I command thee this day. It says, Lest when thou art eaten and you are full and you have built what? Godly homes or goodly houses and dwell in them. And when thy heads and flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and you have so much it says that your heart will now what it will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord thy God so it is possible for you to make money and forget that God is your source it is possible that you make money you build houses you have cars you know your job is striving your business is striving and you forget the Lord thy God is the one who gives the increase. The Bible says that it is God that gives us the power to create wealth. So when we understand and we always put at the back of our mind that God is my source, not my job. See, be careful not to make your job your idol. Be careful not to make your business your idol. It is possible for you to make that business or that job that is bringing that constant source of income as your, it is possible. You will just be carried away. Things are going well. The house is dead. The rent is paid. Oh, maybe scrap that. You're not even paying rent. You have built houses. You have bought cars. Your children are going to good schools. And so you forget in your heart that it is God that has caused the increase. Do not forget. It is a gentle reminder to every one of us because you see, there is something that, there is a mistake that we can make is that certain things cannot happen to us. If you are not careful and if you do not take certain steps and put structures in place around your finances, you will make the mistakes. Just, just realize that one month will go, you've not paid part or you've not given your partnership, you've not done any good thing, you've not communicated to the needy amongst you. Two months will go by, three months, that's how it will turn to a year. Then it will become a pattern. People don't just wake up one day and become stingy. No, it started from one decision. So maybe before you were someone who had structures in place concerning your finances, you gave maybe 10% of your income to the church, you helped the needy. And then maybe for some reason, the finances was a bit tight in one month. And they were like, you know what, let me just keep the giving. You guys can relate now. Let me just keep the giving. Because some people are looking at me and they're laughing. You can relate. So just hear the gist, but take the message. So you skip one month, right, of something that you were doing before, which is a structure to help you. Because the truth is, you will not just wake up and be generous. Like I said, the natural man is stingy. So the, the flesh we want to enter. No, you have other needs now. That Look at that fine clothes. You can buy it this month. Look at that fine bag. You can buy it. So the flesh will want to come in and give you reasons and excuses why you should not partner, why you should not give your resources. But you will have to put the structures in place. But you see, the moment you start skipping maybe one month, two months, it becomes a pattern. And before you know what's happening, one year has gone, you have not given a dime. And then it becomes, ah, I can't even remember when last I sowed the seed. Then when you now want to do it, it will be a struggle with your flesh. It's the same thing with prayer. It's the same thing with Bible. So it's the same thing with any discipline whatsoever in the body of Christ. You miss one day, it becomes two days. It becomes three days. It becomes one week. Before you know, you've gone one month without praying. Two months, you've not studied the Bible. Like Pastor Shea, he said, you need to be intentional. These are the things that will help you grow as a believer. Hallelujah. So I want us to just quickly write it down. Principles of giving. I'll just give us maybe like six and seven. Um, and then we'll, we'll go into why we should actually give proper. So the first one I have here is that giving is a measure of your love for God. One of the principles of giving is that it is a testament of your love. It demonstrates, it shows your love for God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 19, that we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where rot and termite cannot corrupt. So it demonstrates, when you give, it demonstrates your love for God. And it also proves that you understand and you acknowledge God as your source. So when you give, you are saying that your heart is not in your riches, but you trust in God to meet your needs. There are several times where maybe I have maybe the last 10K in my account, and then I'll just be talking to somebody randomly. And then in that moment, the Lord will just say, give that money. Who am I not to give it? Who gave me in the first place? And then I go ahead and give the money. And before I know what's happening, in the next five or six days, I get something that is even 
way higher than what I have given. And there are other times where I have given my last couple and I didn't receive anything. So don't say that that's a principle to financial prosperity. No. There are times that the Lord will tell you to give your last money and not see me come back. It's part of the training. So there should, be, there should be nothing that God has given you that you cannot part with because he gave you in the first place. It's part of the training. And there are other times that you give, you sacrifice, and then God raises men to bless you. Hallelujah. The next principle is that giving is an expression of your faith. It communicates your faith. James chapter 2, let's quickly read James chapter 2, 15 to 17. James chapter 2, 15, it says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. So obviously this brother and sister is hungry, and you say be filled. The Holy Spirit will fill you up, or the Holy Spirit will warm you up. He says what? He says, what does he profit? Even so, if it hath not works, then it is dead. Your faith is dead. So if somebody comes, you know, to your house and they are obviously hungry, don't bring water and put it in front of them. You know that this person is hungry. No, don't send them away without giving them something. He says it communicates your faith. It demonstrates your faith. So giving is an expression of your faith. When you give, you demonstrate that you have that faith nature, that faith culture as a believer. And then number three, giving should be done in secret. Not for showmanship. So you should not help somebody and pay somebody school fees and then I'll come and stand on pulpit and say, oh, that's how I helped uh, Brother Victor. I paid his uh, something, something. I mean, come on. How does that profit us? Giving should be done in secret. We read that in Matthew 6, where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees. They want glory before men. They want men to clap for them. But you are not like them. So when your left hand is giving something, do not allow your right hand know it. And number four, giving produces a willingness to walk within you. A willingness to walk. In Ephesians 4.28, um, 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 Paul was talking to the Ephesian church and he was saying that if any man currently steals, don't allow that man to steal anymore, but let him walk. So the motivation to give is because I want to walk and give others. And the motivation for your giving should be that, oh, I want to be able to work so that I can give people. So giving, it, it, you know, it helps you. It produces a willingness to work. Maybe you are here and you're like, ah, I don't have anything to give. Then you should be thinking of how can I work so that I can be part of the givers. There was a time when I was still in school and I didn't have much to give. And I, I remember then I, I, when PFU talked about, oh, we are partnering towards, um, I think it was LMM then. And I was like, ah, oh my God, I want to give. And you know, there are sometimes we have good desires. We have good intentions. So sometimes maybe someone gives a testimony about, oh, I gave one million and your faith is stirred up. You're like one million. I want to also give one million. But that time I was still a student and I could not give one million because even my pocket money was not one million. <laughs> And, you know, I remember that it was there and then that the Lord begin, began to put certain things in my heart. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I can start a business. In 400 level, I started a clothing business. I started selling clothes to my friends. So I would go to Lagos Island and I will buy clothes and then I will put a little gain on it and then I will resell to people. And then from the money that I was able to gather, then I was feeling myself, ah, at least this month, I gave 5K. This month, I gave 10 I started like that. And then he proceeded to me starting a baking business. Many of you are looking at me like, ah, when did she do all this? Stay there. So there are certain things that you would do because of your desire to give. But if you don't desire to give, the Lord, you will not receive those instructions or those desires. If you, if you are here and maybe you are not even any much, the moment you begin to have that burden in your heart and that desire to be a partner, to be a giver, see, God will raise up the things that you can do in your heart because that's God. He's willing to partner with the man who is ready to communicate. So the moment you say, God, I want, I want to begin to give. Ah, look at people giving testimonies. I want to be able, God will begin to put business ideas in your heart. The things that you were not thinking about before, you begin to, you begin to think about them. And before you know, doors will begin to open. Why? Because you have decided to partner with God. God will always partner with the man who is passionate about his business. 
maybe you are in a church like this and like so many things are going on so many things are being you know um done around me i want to support this work begin to talk to the lord like we said he is your source so if you if he's your source it means that you can go to him and ask him for a source of income hallelujah for many of us we sleep on that we are waiting for someone to give us handouts someone to give us this no Rise up and say, I want to be a giver. Me too, I'm tired of collecting from people. I want to be a giver. The moment you, you stand up and you make that decision, you will see how the Lord will open doors unto you. Hallelujah. It is more blessed to give what than to receive. And then number five, giving has nothing to do with how much you have. It has nothing to do with how much you have. You know, scripture talks about a particular widow. Jesus was in the temple and it talks about how that many rich people came and they were giving out of their abundance, giving out of their abundance. But a particular widow came in their midst and she cast in her two mites. And Jesus turns around and looks at his disciples and says, surely this woman has given more than all of them. So she was poor. But even in that deep poverty, she gave her two mites. And Jesus says she has given more than all of them. So giving has nothing to do with how much you have. So many times it might be the last 1K and you give it as often. God sees it as more than even those who have given thousands before you. Why? Because it is your heart. And it is generous. And it is sacrificial. Whatsoever you give God that does not cost you anything. I mean, for, for many rich you know, people, maybe reaching billions of dollars, billions of pounds, when they give one million, it's nothing to them. But for you, that you know that, ah, this one million is like the first time one million has hit my account. You now gave it sacrifice. You think God is blind? Or you think God will not reward that sacrificial giving? You gave out of your poverty, in quotes, because that's, that's all that you have. It's different from the man who has billions and he comes and he drops, it, it, it didn't move him. Nothing, it's nothing to him. It's like how many people, maybe you earn one million and then you come to that and then you give one, one K. It didn't cost you anything now. Your shawarma is more than the one K. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are we getting blessed? What is tricking us up is entering places. And that's how it's supposed to be. Because the church is a place where you learn the word. And then number six, giving is an instruction to every believer. This is not the church that you come to and then we'll pacify your ego. No, we'll tell you the truth. Giving is an instruction to every believer. Let's quickly read 1 Timothy chapter 6. Are we there? 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'll read verse 17. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not what I minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the what living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good and they be rich in good works, ready to what distribute and communicate. Hallelujah. He says what in verse 19, laying up, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Giving is that instruction to every believer to give. So it is not something that we are saying just because we want to raise money. No, I give. Your pastor to your senior pastor gives. It is an instruction to it. So you cannot escape it. And you see, the truth is that giving was a principle in, in the Old Testament. Under the Old Covenant, they were supposed to give their tithe, right? And in the New Testament, it is still a principle as well. So because we are saying that, oh, tithe is no longer compulsory in the New Testament, doesn't mean that we are no longer givers. No, we should actually be more generous and lavish with our giving. Praise the name of the Lord. And then number seven, giving will always get a response from God. Acts chapter 10. Giving will always get a response from God. There is no man that gives willingly or sacrificially that will not get a response from God. Let's quickly open our Bibles to Acts chapter 10 and we'll read the story of Cornelius very quickly. Acts chapter 10. I read from verse one. It says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse two, can we read together? It says what? A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave what? Much arms to the people. So he was a, he was a generous giver. And this man was an unbeliever. 
when, he, when, this, when the scripture records it, he was an unbeliever, yet he gave so much. He was lavish in his giving. He says, and he prayed to God always. He says in verse 3, what happened as a result of the giving? He says, he saw in a vision, evidently about the night hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornel. So as a result of his giving, he commanded a response from God. So yet, he was an unbeliever, but because of his giving, God, God looked at him and was like, ah, if this man like, that is giving like this is an unbeliever, what will not happen when he becomes a believer? And God sent to him, you know, let, let him go and send unto Peter so that they can preach the gospel to him. And as a result of that, because of this supernatural intervention, Cornelius and all of his household got to receive the gospel. Because of giving, he got a response from God. And I'm sure many of us are also familiar with Solomon's example as well. The offerings and the sacrifices that he gave unto God. 1,000 burnt offerings, right? And because of that, the Lord appeared that same night he offered the offering. So there is nothing you give that is sacrificial unto God that God will not respond unto you for. And whatever you do, ensure that the unbeliever is not giving more than you. Whatever you ensure that the unbeliever is not giving more than you. And so why then do we give and who do we give to? Number one, the primary reason why we give is because it's in our DNA, it's in our nature to give. We said that in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the nature, the love nature of God was demonstrated when he gave us Jesus. And as a result of that, because we have that same nature of God, we are to give. So that's the primary reason, the number one reason why we give. Because it is our nature, it is our culture. The believer ought to give because he has the nature of love. And then number two is that we give for our own self so that we can break every order of covetousness so that we can prove to ourselves that our faith is in God, our trust is in God. And you know, the Bible says that God multiplies, God causes all grace to abound towards us. So when we give, we do not lose. There is no believer, there is no man that ever loses by giving to God. There is no how you can lose. Hallelujah. And then number three, we give to our parents. We give to, you know, those who have raised us. God instructed it. He says that we should honor our parents. We should honor our father and mother so that our days may be long. Honor there talks about weight, glory, you know, reverence. There is no how you can say that you honor someone without giving to the person. Majority of us, we say, oh, I honor God. I revere him. Oh, oh, oh Jesus, oh God. But do we give to him? There is no how you say that you honor a person. I mean, if uh, maybe your mentor walks in or maybe you want to go and visit your mentor, do you go empty-handed? You go with a gift. Many of us, you know, will start buying Christmas hampers, right? Because we want to go and visit people we honor. So there is no how you say you honor your parents and you don't give to them. Like PF will say, give to your parents even before you give to the local church. They are the ones who have raised you. And this is a word for someone because just as I mentioned that an alarm bell just went off in your spirit and I'm like, ah, ah, give to these people. Maybe they don't even deserve it in there. See, they don't need to deserve it. Maybe you are here and you're like, oh, I, my home was, they, they don't, your parents don't have to deserve it before you give to them. It is an instruction from the word to you. The honor your parents, it is to you, not to your parents. Are we together? Are we together? So honor your parents, give to them. You will go back home, appreciate them. Even if it's 1,000 and recharge card, buy it and say, ah, I, just, I just bought this recharge, load it on your phone. There is something that they need in the house. Settle the need. Hallelujah, praise God. And the next reason we also give is for the sake of the gospel, for our local church. Like we've, all, we've always said in this show that God will always partner with the man that partners with him. And I heard something that is very profound. I think it was earlier this week. And the person says that even though the gospel is free, the means by which we communicate it is not free. Do we get that? The gospel message is free. Salvation is free. But the, the method in which we communicate is not free. Men sweat, men sacrifice. I mean, look around you. This all, are we, are we staying there for free? You guys answer me now. Are we staying here for free? The lights that we just bought, Pastor Dara, was it free? Did you go to Alaba Market and you're like, you know what? Oikia Christian Center needs this set of lights and this set of speakers. So please, load it up. No, you paid money to buy the instruments. And people come here to be blessed every Sunday. So it is... It is wisdom, it is wise for you as a believer to support the work in your local church. It is wisdom to give. 
to the body of Christ. It is wisdom to give to your local assembly to support the world. And you know, the thing that I also found was that even under the old covenant, men gave of their resources. The Bible says that when, you know, God gave the instruction to build the tabernacle, you know, Jesus instructs them that they should, what the people that had to give gold, give gold. The people that had to contribute purple linen contributed. Those that need to contribute wood contributed it. Everybody gave what they had to make sure that the tabernacle of God was created. Hallelujah. And we know that that is a typology, right? We know that that is a typology, but we can draw some lessons from there. If the people under the old covenant could bring about their resources to ensure that the house of God, the physical house of God in court was built, there are much more us that we are in this age and time. And obviously things are not cheap now. So it is wisdom for us to support the work that is going on in the local church. You see a need. You don't, have, you don't need someone to come and ring an alarm bell to your ears. Give to that need. PF has been talking about Project Z1117. See the items, the things that you can settle there and then give towards that. God rewards it. And God looks at your heart when you are doing so. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then the next thing we also give, we give to fellow saints. Like I've said previously, we give to fellow saints. So you cannot see people who are in your local church, who are in your midst, who have a, a clear need. It is clear. This one, it is very clear. They have a need and then you just walk past and you're like, oh, it doesn't concern me. No, it should concern you. You know how the scripture talks about how that the body of Christ is like the human body. Everyone ought to contribute. So one person is the hand, one person is the leg, one person is the eyes, and we are all to furnish the body of Christ, right? It's the same way. So it means that when one person in our midst has a need, we should all carry that body in together. That's how it should be. It should be that the unbelievers should look at our love nature, our generous nature, and they should, they should actually, you know, take examples from us. See how we relate with one another. Not in this age of cancel culture. Everybody is, you know, wanting to have the last or final say. And this brings me to also say this. There are certain times that you can see that your brother or your sister is maybe going in the wrong. You don't have to correct them publicly. There are certain things that should be kept in-house. It's part of the love nature that we are talking about. So it should, it should seep to your giving. It should seep to your conduct, in your speech. There are so many people that, even though they have Jesus' baby on their bio on Twitter, the thing that they are tweeting is not Jesus' field. So you see them, they are the ones that are quick to insult people and castigate people. No. You should demonstrate your love work even outside of the church premises. So even though we are talking about giving, it should also be in your speech, in your conduct, the way you present yourself and the way you carry yourself outside. Why? You are different. You are born of a, of a different nature. And that nature of God, it should, it should be seen. People should, you know, unbelievers, like I always say, unbelievers should be the one taking direction from you. Not, not the other way around. Someone was talking about how that um, there, there is a particular music, I don't even know it, but there's a particular music that was trending. And, you know, she was talking about how that believers are the ones that are quick to sponsor the music, use it, you know, for whatever things that they use it for. But then at the end of the day, if we don't, if we don't as a body of Christ stand as one and our voices be one, how exactly are we going to take over the world? Because we keep singing, oh, Holy Ghost, you and I will change the world. The glory of the Lord reveals who I am to my world. But then again, in our speech, in our conduct, in our giving, in our love nature, we don't see that. So how exactly are we supposed to reveal Christ? How exactly are we supposed to reveal the nature of God that is in us? How exactly are we supposed to demonstrate that we are born of love? If everything that we do in the natural stems from a place of selfishness, stems from a place of greed, stems from a place of covetousness. This is a word to you and this is a word to me. And it's a reminder for every one of us that you see as a body of Christ, as believers, there is so much responsibility that has been placed on our shoulders. So much. So much responsibility. Today, there are so many things that believers will do and you will wonder what exactly is going on. And then when you try to maybe give correction, they're like, oh, it's not that deep. It's not that serious. It's that deep. 
it is that deep. Because I found out that many times when believers say, oh, it is not that deep, it's not that serious. It is just an excuse to explain the carnality away. But we must stay with the word of God. We must stay with the truth. And our convictions must be strengthened by the word. And we must strengthen one another as well. We cannot see one of us who is falling by the wayside and ignore. So it is, it is far more than just giving. It is first and foremost a nature, a consciousness that I am my brother's keeper. I am responsible for the person sitting by me. It is not, you see, we must change our orientation and our mindset as believers when we come to, it's not just I come to church, I say, oh, let me just greet the neighbor sitting by me or standing. No. What of outside when you leave the premises? Your love nature, does it end here? Guys, I'm asking, the love nature we have, does it end in church? It does not end in this building. So it means that it should translate into what we do outside. Every day during the week, are you walking in love? Are you demonstrating love? Are you being generous? Are you giving to the needs of the people in your immediate environment? Or is it that it is only when you come to church on Sunday you give? Praise the name of the Lord. And number six, we give to those who labor over us in doctrine. It is scriptural to give to people who labor over you in doctrine. Let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six, and we'll read from verse three. He says, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Verse 4 says, but let every man prove his own work. Then and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Verse 6 says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all what good things. He says, be not deceived. God is not, you cannot mock God. He says, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also. So it is scriptural to give unto people that labor over you. The ministry gives that labor over you. It is scriptural to give unto them. There is another part of the scripture that says, do not muzzle the, the one that treaded the corn, right? So you cannot eat, in simple language, it means you cannot eat your cake and have it. That's what the scripture is telling you. So when you eat Spiritual things, you should what? Communicate physical things. It's simple. Communicate material things. Hallelujah. And I, I've talked about how that we should give to our parents, right? That God instructed. And so I just want to round up by saying this. You see, many times we can talk about generosity and the need for us to give. But then again, you might be here and you might be saying that I don't have much to give. I don't have resources to give. There is something I'm here to tell you is that God is able to supply that which you need to become a giver. The thing, because you see that if God wants to, just think about it for a moment. If God wants to partner with the man who gives, don't you think that if you go with him with a request to be a giver, he will answer you? Don't you think that he will respond to that faster? There is something I heard um, a man of God say one time. He says that if you channel your prayer I mean, your prayer, asking God for something, maybe it's resources or something. If you link it to the will of God, you will get answers quickly. So for example, maybe you are praying for a job or you are praying for a business and you begin to say, oh, oh God, I want a business so that I can, you know, have more to give to the work of ministry or so that I can have more to give to my family so that I can have more to support the local assembly to give to the fellow saints. If you link your desire to have money to God's will, then it will be easier for you to get a response. Many times, the Bible talks about how that people ask amiss. So they ask because of greed. They ask because of covetousness. And it is because they ask because of covetousness. That's why they don't receive. But if you ask according to the will of God, number one, because you understand that God wants a giver, God will partner. There, there's no how you will not receive. Or maybe you are currently earning not much and you cannot give as much as you would want to earn. And you are saying, oh, but I want to increase my giving. How about you tie that desire to see an increase in your finances to the will of God? And don't just say it because you want to vocalize it because, you know, we said we should say. 
mean it. Let it come from your heart. Because we said that God looks at the heart, right? So even though men can hear you say the prayer point and you are saying, oh God, I want to do your will. I want to earn money so that I can sponsor the gospel. But in your heart, you are thinking about Ferrari. That means it's covetousness that is fueling that desire to earn money. But if you truly mean it and it comes from your heart and in your spirit, deep down, you want to sponsor the work of ministry, then there is no how God is going to turn that request away. Because you are praying according to the will of God. The man who prays according to the will of God will always get a response. And so this morning, we'll pray two prayer points and then we'll pray for anyone who is believing for a financial miracle, a financial increase. Maybe it's in your business or it's in your resources. I want us to stand up on our feet and just begin to pray in the spirit. The first prayer I want us to pray is concerning our heart. You know, we read in the Bible that how that, you know, it's possible for you to do things in the natural and then your heart is not right with God. So it is possible for you to be about showmanship and to go about giving to orphanages, giving to the poor, giving to the local church. But in your heart, you are bitter. In your heart, it's, it's not coming from your heart. So you're going to pray. The first prayer point we're going to pray is that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help my heart to be right with you such that I serve you with a perfect heart. I can't hear you guys praying this morning. Open your mouth and begin to pray. That in the name of Jesus, the Lord will help you to serve him with a perfect heart. That it will not be as a result of showmanship. It will not be because you want the glory of men or the applause of men, but it will be because of your desire to see the will of God come to pass. In the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Open your mouth and begin to pray that the Lord will help you so that your heart will be right with him. Your heart will be right with him in the name of Jesus. In the name Everything you do for the kingdom, it will be with the right intentions. It will be with the right approach. It will be with the right mindset. It will be with the right heart. In the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to serve you with a perfect heart. Help us to do your will with a perfect heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Help our hearts to be right with you. Help our hearts to be right with you. Le branda katila manda ikarabadose bredeketia ribashunde penekete le no sute kalabadushate radabade kataya radosu penekatila dashate kindly search for our telegram channel using the link t.me/oikia cc god has blessed you